Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Since you and I were growing up when we were kids, vaccines have helped to almost eradicate measles. I say almost because it appears that the tide of immunity is turning. Dr. Petra Derrington is a microbiologist and spokesperson for Pathology Awareness Australia. She warns that declining vaccination rates are leading to outbreaks of this disease around the world and that if rates continue to fall, it's only a matter of time before we get an outbreak of measles here. Hi, Petra. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. What are the current rates of vaccination in Australia when it comes to measles? Australia, as a developed country, has a very good vaccination strategy, as other developed countries do. Um, So we're around about 85%, well, globally, and Australia is similar, 85% vaccination for the first vaccine. But when it comes to people having two measles vaccine, which is necessary to give full immunity and 99% cover, we drop down to about 67%. The WHO is trying to get globally the vaccination rates up at 95%, which will give such good immunity and probably eradicate or almost certainly eradicate um, measles from our history books. Now, there's a lot of media coverage of people that are called anti-vaxxers, but if most people are getting the first vaccination and not the second, that doesn't seem to indicate people who have an objection to vaccines as a whole. Um, do we know why people aren't getting the second vaccination? I really don't. I can't answer that. I think probably if you looked at that, what I gave you there was, was sort of global statistics. Mm-hmm. For Australia, people who are going to get the vaccine are, are more likely to get both the first and the second vaccine. Right. Um, so I think in, in countries like this, if you get the first, you got the second because you go to GPs, the GPs do the follow-up. Uh, and so it's a much better vaccination system. Right. So the potential is that here in Australia, uh, vaccination rates might be dropping because people are scared that the vaccine doesn't work or has side effects, that kind of thing? Yes. I think there's a lot of very bad press around actually anti-vaccination and a lot of of untruths and mistruths um, around vaccination, which is terribly worrying because it won't only affect the measles and mumps rubella vaccine, it will start actually impacting on other vaccines as well. Uh, And that's really, that would be a terrible thing to happen. So once you get this mindset that a vaccine is unsafe, it's very hard to undo that mindset. And and I think the MMR vaccine has had probably more bad press uh, since um, 1998 um, when that study was done in, in the UK. Well, it wasn't a study by Wakefield. It was more of a, um, I don't know how to politely put it, but it was, it was more, more <laughs> False of a, and misleading a, information. It was very misleading. And, and the problem is, you know, Andrew Wakefield looked at sort of eight patients who developed autism and some gastrointestinal signs a couple of months after um, these children were vaccinated. But if you think about it, the, the, the diagnosis of autism is between the years of one to two. So you're going to get a hell of a lot of coincidental people having, children having the diagnosis of autism um, just at the time when they're vaccinated with the MMR. So you get a lot of coincidental associations and, and that's almost in, inevitable. And I think if you looked at the prevalence of autism in England uh, around about that time, one in 2,000 children were diagnosed with autism. That would mean that every month, 25 children would have 
had a diagnosis of autism around about the time they were vaccinated. So, you know, to draw that conclusion is, is misleading. And I think now we've had so many big studies with so many children and so a lot of countries since 1998 had started vaccinating. So we have this whole cohort that we can look at the side effects and any effects around autism. We have millions of data now to look at big studies that are properly controlled and, and we can now really have a look at large-scale vaccination programs. You can have a lot of descriptive observational studies, large numbers of subjects, substantial statistical power, high-quality vaccination records, and a reliable historical history. So you really are able to refute those eight patients that had autism after the MMR vaccine in 1998. Um, and we have successfully refuted that. Well, let's look at, at the reality here. What is the impact of measles? We haven't seen it in large quantities in this country for decades. So what is this disease that is uh, potentially coming back if people refuse to vaccinate? This is one of the most important messages that I'm really keen to push, push in this meeting that we've got today. This is not a little rash illness. Now, you may pick up, I've got a bit of an accent. I don't, I don't hear an accent, but you may pick up, I've got one. But I trained in, in, in South Africa, and I saw measles firsthand, and I'll never forget what it looked like. This is an extremely severe disease, and I'll tell you exactly why. One, because it's very contagious. It's one of the most contagious viruses that we know of. It will hang around in the air from somebody coughing um, the virus in a room. It'll hang around for two hours and it will have a 90% attack rate. It will infect 90% of people if they're, if they're not immune. It's also infectious four days before the rash. So a snotty kid who's a bit grisly and unwell and, and, and sick, they're already infectious before you see the rash, and they're infectious four days post the rash. So that's a big risk. So you get with the clinical features, just fever, conjunctivitis, cough, but the feeling of unwellness is so severe. They have very severe malaise. These children are properly unwell. It's not just a bit of a snot nose. And, um, it's, and, and it's death, it could be um, lethal for babies. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's lethal in children who are immunocompromised. It's lethal in small babies under six months because they may not be immune. They may not have adequate immunity. But, you know, the complications of this, I think when people concern themselves about oh, but you can have a febrile seizure after the MMR vaccine. Absolutely you can, but that will never have lasting complications. In measles, clinically, 9% develop an otitis media, 6% will develop pneumonia, and 60% of those will die of that pneumonia, particularly in developed countries in children who are malnourished. 8% diarrhea, um, and 1 in 1,000 will have an encephalitis which has a mortality of 15% and almost 100% permanent brain damage. So wow. looking at those complications and then saying, oh, I don't think I'll have the vaccine, he might have a febrile seizure, is, is crazy talk. And even going on from that, seven years after a good bout of measles, 22 in 100,000 people will develop something called subacute sclerosing panencephalitis, which is absolutely progressively mental brain damage, and 100% fatal. This is not a play-play virus. This is a nasty virus, and I've seen it firsthand in Africa, and, and I don't want to see it come back in any other countries. Where are we at now? For example, my children have been immunised with their mm. MMR vaccination. How safe are they if they're 
peers, if their pa- the parents of their peers decide not to vaccinate their kids? No, you know, your, your children are well protected if you've done the right thing. Once they've had their first dose, you get about 90 to 95% protection. And once you have two doses, you have 99, well, we could probably say 100% protection. The people who develop measles are people who are immunocompromised that can't form a good um, antibody response, children who have not yet been vaccinated, children who are under a year that may not have enough adequate protection from their mothers. And now we're going to a whole pile of young adults, you know, who haven't been vaccinated as children, have been indoctrinated not to vaccinate. So they have children. And suddenly that tiny baby that you have there doesn't pick up any of the mother's antibodies at all because the mother has no antibodies. And that's the risk situation. And then those people will then maybe travel to Bali or India or Africa or New Zealand or Samoa or somewhere else where you have a higher rate or, you know, where where we haven't managed to eliminate measles and pick it up there and bring it back to the country and potentially hang around with other mothers and small children who are of the same mind, well, we're not going to vaccinate our children. And that's how outbreaks start. And I understand that there has been outbreaks in New Zealand. Is that correct? There has. There's been quite a big outbreak recently. They had uh, thousands of cases. I forget exactly how many cases they had. But they had a, a number of cases in New Zealand. And in fact, they lost their status of having cleared measles, you know, spread of measles. Because what the WHO does is it tries to increase the vaccination in a country or zones, as they call them, so much so that there is no constant spread of measles in the general public. And you only get the occasional outbreak when somebody brings it back into the country from out where, outside the country, or you get a traveller coming into the country. But in, in, in New Zealand, they think they've lost their... Um, ability to say that they have controlled measles now. So they had, last year, I think they had, yeah, 1,500 confirmed cases, and over a third of them resulted in hospitalisation. And and a lot of those cases would have been the sort of adult age group, not all babies, adult age groups who may have not got that second vaccine, particularly younger males. Um, so you can get an outbreak that happens very quickly. And if you don't have that underlying immunity in the general public, that's when you can really get it running rampant. So that underlying immunity, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand that the strength of that immunity depends on the amount of people who get vaccinated. What percentage rate are we at here in Australia and when does that drop so low that we're in danger of having outbreaks? So at the moment, I think I'm not exactly sure what the vaccination rate is in Australia. Um, I know the global rate is, but I'm not sure what our Australian rate is. Um, we have got a very good vaccination schedule here and it does work terribly well. Um, but it only takes a handful of cases to start something. So how are you feeling at the moment, Petra, given the strength of uh, fake news and the anti-vaccination movement within that, that Australians will continue to keep those vaccination rates high? I don't feel terribly optimistic I think in a way almost we're going to go down a route of more and more people opting out of vaccination. Um, It's almost become a bit fashionable, I think, Um, and that concerns me. And I think the power of social media is huge, Um, and we can do so much on social media. If you just look at vaccine websites, which I did over this weekend on social media, it was terrifying. There is so much misinformation out there. There are so many anti-vax social sites. And I think that is going to sway people away from doing the right thing here um, because you don't know what to believe anymore. 
you know, you, you don't want to harm your child. You want to do the best thing for your child, and you believe that's the best thing because you've been told things that aren't particularly right. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm concerned that this goes on. And the other part of it, and it's, it's funny, actually, because COVID, in a way, is, is protecting from outbreaks of measles because people aren't traveling as much or at all. And so a lot of the measles cases are brought in from travelers from other areas where developing countries where the vaccination rates are quite low and, and they have ongoing measles outbreaks and, and, and transmission. And they aren't coming into the country because they can't. and We aren't going out of the country to travel. So I think you'll find that this rate of increase that we've seen in the last little while um, in Australia, where we had 81 cases in 2017, 95 in 2018, and then 286 cases in 2019. So we really are seeing a, a massive increase in cases. This is probably related to, to not vaccinating and having people who are, are not immune to measles in the country. Most of the, the, the disease has been brought in from outside. But I think with COVID now, you'll probably find a lot of that travel isn't there. So you'll probably find a drop in, in measles. But Once that, we start traveling again, mm. if people are not vaccinating their children and are not getting vaccinated and haven't had the full vaccination schedule, I think we may see that um, increase again. Petra, it's not a very happy note to end on, but thank you so much for talking with us today. Yeah, I, well, it's not a very happy note, but I think three things I want to push forward is, is one, house of beer measles is two, that we have a safe vaccine and we know it's safe. And three, that it's effective. It's so effective that when it was introduced in 63, we used to have 26 million deaths to measles every year. And we dropped that by 84%. Wow. Um, So it works. And we've seen how vaccination works. We've seen the eradication almost completely of polio. We've seen the total eradication of smallpox. And we've seen no more invasive haemophilus uh, haemophilus B. Uh, We've seen a vast decrease in in infections with invasive pneumococcus because we're vaccinating. We know it works. And you just have to see those successes to understand how how important vaccination is in order to save babies' lives. Now, that's a much better place to end on. It is a much. I thought I couldn't let you end on a bad note. (laughs) (laughs) Turn it around and and make it a good note. Thank you, Petra. I really appreciate your time today. No problem at all. Thank you. That's Dr. Petra Derrington. She's a microbiologist and spokesperson for Pathology Awareness Australia. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.